Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, a weekly look into the world of Royal Caribbean cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hotchberg, and this is episode number 30. With all the fun I've had in the last few weeks on my Navigator of the Seas cruise, we've developed actually a bit of a backlog in our listener email. So I want to dedicate this week's show entirely to our listeners because I really love sharing your feedback with everyone else. So this week, I'm going to read your emails and make you all the focus of this episode. Here we go. First email is from Sean Wallace, who writes, Good morning, Matt. Here's the show that tickets can be reserved online for Allure of the Seas. Today is the 60-day window until embarkation. Woohoo! Enjoy your cruise. Can't wait to hear about it. And the list is Blue Planet, Chicago, Headliner Show, Comedy Shows, Oceanaria, and Ice Games. Thanks for all the hard work. Thank you, Sean. I appreciate that. I know there was a couple episodes back. We were talking about which shows you could reserve online. And there you go. There's your list. So thank you very much, Sean. Next email is from Dennis. Thanks once again for a great podcast. There's nothing like the anticipation of an upcoming cruise. The adrenaline starts flowing before you embark. I totally understand. Just one word of caution. Just keep it in the back of your mind. Several years ago, we sailed on Enchantment of the Seas right after she was refurbished. It was major. They got the ship in half, added more cabins and another pool, and welded her back together. Even though the major work was done, there were still workers finishing up the entire cruise. This did not ruin a thing. But we were told this is a major refurbishment and typical. Unfortunately, there were some leaks in the new pool, and they had some difficulty repairing it. I think there were lots of nice additions to Navigator, but not as major as Enchantment. As I said, workers were polite, but they were working our entire cruise. Just don't want to be have you surprised if this happens on your cruise. As I said, it didn't ruin our cruise, just we had a wonderful time. Have a fantastic cruise and enjoy chops. My wife and I are teachers. Even though she is talking about and is excited about camp, quote unquote, don't be surprised if last minute there is separation anxiety, she might not want to go. Hopefully it'll work out for you. When you register her, if you introduce her to others signing up, she might be more willing to go. Just a tip. Thank you, Dennis. You know, at the time, I appreciated the feedback because obviously I was very excited for my cruise. And the good news is no worries at all on all those regards. The only work that was being done on Navigator this season was Deck 12. The new cabins that were being added on Deck 12 were still under construction. In fact, you couldn't even go down that hallway to see anything, which didn't affect me because I obviously didn't have a cabin down there, and there was really no reason to ever go there. There was I didn't hear any noise. I did see some work being done, but other than that, everything else, all the facilities were open. So, And, and to the other point about my daughter, she took to it like a fish to water. She loved it. So we really had a great time, and thank you again for the, the advice. It's actually great advice that Dennis offers, not only to me, but to anybody going on a cruise ship that is going to be recently refurbished, there are some things you have to keep in mind and be prepared for. So good tips there. Thank you, Dennis. Next, we have an email from Christopher Percy. It's great to see the Voyager classes are starting to receive upgrades, which will make them even more appealing. And I still remember the first time we cruised on a Voyager class ship. We were blown away by the size, promenade, and a few other features. Enjoy Valentine's Day at Chops. Have a fun-filled and safe cruise and look forward to review in two weeks. Thank you, Christopher. I always appreciate hearing from you. And, you know, it, I know exactly what you mean by being impressed by Voyager class the first time when I was on Explorer. This is like, wow, this is a huge ship. And then I went on Freedom and Oasis class and you know, they all obviously blew it away. But it's still a really large ship and it's amazing how much they can fit in one ship. So thank you, Christopher. Next email is from Mike, who writes, Hey man, great podcast. Royal Caribbean made Engadget. Actually, he included a link to an Engadget article about the virtual balconies that they have. And that is a great little post. I'll include that in our show notes. And of course, I'll also include in our show notes a interview I did while on Navigator of the Seas with the lead developer for the Virtual Balcony Project. It was really cool. And I'm quite proud of that work. And 
The virtual balconies, by the way, are very, very impressive. You need to see it to believe it, but it's it's really amazing. And I think for anyone looking to go on a Royal Caribbean cruise and they're considering an inside cabin or ocean view cabin, you know, it's really hard to not go with those virtual balconies, I think, because they're they're great value and they offer so – it's just a neat thing. I don't know. Maybe I'm just a geek and I like it, but I think it's really, really cool. So, But thank you for the link, Michael. Next email is from Gene. Hi, this is Gene from Australia again. A few months back, I wrote to say I booked my first cruise ever. It was aboard Royal Caribbean's Voyager of the Seas around New Zealand. Well, my husband and I are back, and it was a disappointment. We're quite bummed about it, but unfortunately, four days into our 11-day cruise, we were wanting to get off the ship. I'm hoping that you may be able to tell me if the things I found on board are usual of a cruise or an anomaly. The reason being, we're not sure if we'd ever cruise again, but... Would be willing to try it again if these are isolated incidents, but if they occur as a matter of course, then I guess cruising is just not for us, and we should just suck it up because it's a convenient way and a good value to see around the world. So here's our list of issues, and Gene wrote a very lengthy email here. I'm going to kind of go through them quickly for the, in terms of time, but we'll kind of you know take it as we go. Anyway, one, smell of sewage. There was a very strong smell of sewage in the corridor on our stateroom, Deck 6 port, on the first and last day. Odd maintenance schedule. As this was our first cruise, there was a bit of a scenic cruising going through the waterways of New Zealand. We splurged and booked a balcony stateroom. Unfortunately, Royal Caribbean decided that maintenance of rust spots was to be done the day before, meaning we couldn't access our balcony until many hours into the sailing whilst the repairs dried. Uh, number three, management had a the customer's always wrong attitude. Firstly, our stateroom attendant, wait staff, and other hands on staff the ship were fantastic. They couldn't do enough to make the trip more comfortable. However, same cannot be said about the people in charge. We went to the main dining room at the allocated time to change our dining reservation, but there was no one there. So we walked to the next level of the dining room and asked the my time staff if they could do it. They said we need to go back downstairs, to which we replied we were, there was no one there. They didn't believe us. We had to repeat this several times and to their manager. He saw he us downstairs only to see if there was no one down there. Only then did he help us with our reservation. Another incident was with guest relations. We wanted to cancel a Portofino's reservation that we had made prior to booking. We asked for a refund, but said it would only be a problem if we would just go to dinner. The lady at the guest relations said, fine. When we inquired again to make specifically sure that our money would be refunded, she said, yes, it's all taken care of. Of course, it was not refunded, and we got a surprise on debarkation day. So back to guest relations to sort it out. Firstly, they tried to sell, tell us that it was not prepaid. Then they said that we should be checking our onboard account like every night, like it was our responsibility to catch their mistake. And then finally... It was the day of debarkation. There was nothing they could do as the head office in the USA was closed. Again, extremely frustrating as we had specifically said on our first visit that we were just happy to go to dinner to avoid the specific issue, yet here we are. The final incident also included guest relations. I had to ring them one evening to request barf bags for my very unwell husband. 20 minutes later, no bags. My husband was vomiting into the bag we packed our shoes in because he did not want to throw up in the stateroom or in the toilet shower to save our poor stateroom attendant the mess. This was a precarious situation as the plastic bag uh, may have leaked. I rang Dan, which I was told he just found it. It's coming. No apology or anything. Finally, after a good 30 minutes, uh, wait, the bags finally arrived. Surely Voyager is required to supply these bags regularly, right? You know, and there's a lot more here, Gene, and I apologize. I don't have more time to get into it. So I guess... But you're trying to figure out, is this an anomaly or is this the case all the time? I think, unfortunately, you ran into a case of really bad luck. Let's start with the, the smell of sewage. I smell sewage on cruise ships. In fact, I think I smelt it on one day on Navigator of the Seas. Stuff happens. It's just, it's, you know, they're, they're constantly working on stuff. I First thing you should always do, regardless, is you should tell someone. Don't sit there and be like, oh, wow, it smells bad. 
and just assume. Tell your stateroom attendant, so call the front desk, let them know about these kinds of things because it is important for them to know. If they don't know about it, they're not going to be aware of it. And the other thing is, of course, if they get enough calls about it, obviously it's going to, you know, increase the, the thing to make it work faster. The reality is, look, they're not going to make the cruises aren't going to smell like sewage all the time. In fact, they don't, they rarely smell like sewage. It's something that unfortunately happens from time to time, but I think it's not a common thing and I wouldn't let that be a, an issue. The ad maintenance schedule, I, that's a weird thing. I've never heard of that where you can't get to your own balcony because they were busy doing work. I've seen them clean balconies. I've seen them repaint balconies and maybe there's a little bit of a sign like, you know, wet paint or something like that, but I've never seen where, you know, there's been like a day or two or even that kind of a delay where you actually can't get out there. And I'm assuming that's again, another anomaly, even though a number of anomalies are getting worried. You know, the whole issues you had with the management thing, you know, I, I wish I could defend it better. Unfortunately, things like that happen. Um, the best thing I can say to you is it's not commonplace. More often than not, you're going to run, you're not going to run to these kind of problems. My single, I think what you did was right. I think what you should do at this point is send an email to Royal Caribbean, let them know what happened, uh, and let them know that you're not happy with it and that you'd like to be able to go back. Here's my honest truth. I mean, going back at looking at it here. I think your experience was an anomaly. I don't think it's right anything that happened. I don't think you did anything right. Sometimes there are people that do weird things, and I think, well, you're being unreasonable. I don't think you're being unreasonable in these situations. I think they're just bad things, unfortunately, happen to you. It's just the way luck goes sometimes. I think you have to kind of take it as is and hope for the best. I would recommend you try Royal Caribbean again. I would hope you would. I think it's – I don't think – that that what you had is a common experience. In fact, if we had other listeners commenting on this, they would tell you the same thing. So um, I'm really sorry that it wasn't up to your expectations. That's obviously not what you want. You don't have a disappointing trip ever. So my advice, again, let Royal Caribbean know because things like the booking in advance thing, the dining and wanting a refund, I understand that. That actually happened to me. I booked my reservations for my specialty restaurants in advance on Navigator the Seas. And a couple times, actually, they I got the check at the end of the meal and they weren't applied. And I had to tell them, oh, you guys... You know, we booked this before, and I think at two of the restaurants they had to go do that, but they were happy to take care of it, and they were totally understanding. I didn't try to cancel any of them, but I don't think I know that one of them I had booked it for one for three people. I was the only person that showed up, but I was able to still apply the credit because I ate a lot of sushi, so it worked out to my advantage. But they were they would have been willing to refund it back. So again, yes, you probably as a good cruiser, I would have said you probably should be tracking your account just to make sure. But you're absolutely right; they should be you know, the ones who are ultimately responsible for it. Again, send email to Royal Caribbean, make sure they're aware of this. And I, I hope you give it another try, Gene, because I think, again, if, if we had other people that were chiming in here, they would all tell you that this is not the the rule. This is the exception. And I hope you'll give it another try and let us know what you think. Next email is from Dennis. Matt, your cabin looks great on Navigator of the Seas. Your daughter is a cutie. Glad she's excited about Adventure Ocean. You took the delay embarking well. I always love boarding early, like an extra day of vacation time, and get to know the ship. You had a good attitude. Go with the flow. Enjoy. Thanks for the time to posting all these pics. Enjoying them. Thank you, Dennis. I really appreciate that. And you know, it's it's interesting because it was such a it was a weird situation. I've never experienced that kind of a delay before. But you know, in the end, it all worked out. And like I told my wife, as long as we get on the ship, I really don't care. If we sit in Galveston for three days, as long as I'm on the ship, I don't care. And it worked out well. So it was a couple hours we missed out on. I missed out on my. Unfortunately, the honey stung chicken. I never got that on the cruise. I could have gone from, from room service. It's just not quite the same thing as embarkation day, but it's all right. I got to book a new cruise and then I'll get my honey stung chicken and it'll work itself out. But things happen. And you know what? It's not Royal Caribbean's fault in this case. They can't control the weather, but we still had a great time. So thank you, Dennis. Actually, our next email is 
from Dennis again. I think it might be a different Dennis. I don't know. But another Dennis sent us an email. Says, I know your blog is concentrating on Navigator this season. However, if you get a chance, talk to the loyalty ambassador or any other staff. Ask them if they give us any indication when we can expect more reveals about Quantum of the Seas details. Actually, I was talking to our Royal Caribbean press contacts. We actually had some press contacts on the sailing. Just happened to be a coincidence that I had booked the same cruise as them. And we were talking about Quantum because, you know, one of the questions people have been asking, well, just like you, Dennis, when are we going to hear more about Quantum or Anthem? And the thing is, it's funny, they said the same thing. They said, you know, it's interesting, this time, this close to launch, back when Oasis and Allure launched, we knew, like, every inch of that ship. And this is not the case with Quantum. Basically, the best answer they could say is that they were actually, they, whomever the, they happen to be in the background that are designing the ship, are still actually designing certain elements of the ship. Because, you know, Royal Caribbean is always wanting to make sure the ship they put out there is the most up-to-date, awesome, coolest, most innovative ship out there, they also want to make sure what they have on there is the most up-to-date and cool and contemporary thing that's out there. So they're still kind of ironing out some details. So that's kind of why we haven't seen. It's not like they have the details just sitting back there. It's not necessarily written in Estonia. That's kind of the sense that I got, and that's why we haven't quite gotten as much information as we would have liked at this point in time. But I can tell you that more information is definitely forthcoming and that we should expect, as I think has been the case overall, we're going to be getting more and more and more information. And I think it's really going to come to at a pace really quickly where it's going to be like, that's not overwhelming, but it's definitely, you're not going to be complaining about not enough quantum news. So next email is from Kayla. Hi, Matt. Welcome home from your Navigator of the Seas cruise. I know it's bittersweet. It sounds like you and your family had an amazing time. Love seeing all the pictures and reading the blogs. I know you'll probably go over this on the podcast, but just curious on what you would overall give the cruise as a grade. A, B plus, C. My husband and I are interested in this particular cruise and coming from a coastal city as well, wondering if it's worth traveling. I know you were thrilled on the newly refurbished ship, but wondering what you thought about the itinerary as well. Looking forward to the podcast to get all the details. Also, saw you were possibly booking your next cruise on board. Which sailing did you end up choosing? Great questions, Kayla, honestly. Great that I would give Navigator the Seas. I would honestly say it's somewhere in the ballpark of... I'm going to range anywhere as low as B plus to as high as a solid A. It really had a great time. I, Like I said on the other episode, I think it was the second best cruise, sorry Sarah, that I've ever taken. It was, it was, it was a great time. I really enjoyed the, basically this is the best way I can put it. And I've said this before and I apologize for being a broken record about it. The changes and upgrades to Navigator the Seas honestly made it feel like to me like it was a brand new ship. Like Royal Caribbean was launching Quantum of the Seas this year and also Navigator the Seas. Like it felt like a brand new ship. And to me... That was an, uh, an incredible experience. I loved the itinerary, and we talked a little bit about that on the other podcast. I think it's a great one. What I, why I like the itinerary so much is because I really enjoy Central America. I think the value for the dollar and the beauty of the ports that are involved are really great, so I really liked it. Some people are not as heavy on Cosmo. I'm not one of those people. I enjoy Cosmo quite a bit, but I think the ports that you're visiting are really quite good, so I would definitely recommend it. Especially if you like, if you like Mexico, if you like Cozumel, if you like Costa Maya, I think you're really going to enjoy Belize and Honduras. The other question you had about, do you think it's worth going to Galveston and getting out there? You know, the fog delay, look, that stuff can happen. Doesn't matter what Royal Caribbean does. I, I said it's like, it's like hurricanes in Florida. You can book a cruise out of Tampa or Fort Lauderdale. Guess what? You can be, your cruise can be delayed or canceled just as well because of storms like that. So there's nothing you could do about it. You will never know that in advance. So you really cannot consider that in your calculations other than maybe avoiding the months of January and February going on the cruise. That being said, should you do it? Yeah, if you've cruised a bit and you want to try it out, and if you've never been on Navigator of the Seas or you haven't been on a Voyager class ship in a while, I would definitely recommend it. So check that out. 
in terms of which cruise I booked on board, you know, I didn't book anything specifically. I booked my next cruise certificates, which I always do because that way I don't have to worry about well, which cruise I really want to book. I get the certificates and then when I get home, I can figure all that good stuff out. So there you go. Hopefully that answered for you, Kayla. Thank you very much. And thanks for the pictures. Kayla, by the way, for the pictures, I don't know. I don't want to start any rumors here. Kayla sends a lot of pictures in for the Friday photos post that we do on the blog. So I, uh, I always appreciate seeing those. Next email is from another dentist. I think it was actually Dennis number, the second dentist we had. Anyway, once again, thanks for all the great picks, especially your galley and bridge tours. You sound like you're officially on a cruise high. That's true. I am like you, always up early around 7 a.m. to see cruise into port, one of my favorite parts of the cruise. Walking on deck when most are still in bed. I'm leaving for a 14-day cruise on Celebrity Eclipse in three weeks. Although Diamond Elite Cruiser never cruised for that long. Looking forward to a great experience. You know, 14 days on a cruise is going to be awesome. I'm very jealous that you're going to try that out. And of course, you're on Celebrity, Royal Caribbean sister company. So I think you'll have a great time. And you're right about waking up early. The cool thing about waking up early is there's far less people up early than there are if you try to stay late. And the cool thing about waking up early is you get the sunrise, you get the pulling into port. It's like having the ship to yourself a little bit also because of how few people are around there. The internet works better also that early in the morning. So that works out there too. Thank you, Dennis. Next email is from Jason Small. In episode 26, you talked about the many exciting things to look forward to should we be able to send during Coco Cay. I followed up the episode with a visit to Royal Caribbean's excursion page for the island. Of all the activities listed, I did not notice any that were available to the children under four years of age. We'll be cruising with a two and seven year old in May, and I'm wondering what sort of activities the children will be able to take part in while on the island. You know, that's a good question, Jason. When we went there with my daughter, she just played in the sand and the water and she was happy as, as anything. In Labadee, they have a water park there. I don't remember if they have one in Coco Cay because if they did, we didn't go to it. And by water park, I mean, it's like one of those things where there's like fountains spraying everywhere and like buckets of water dropping down. I want to say no, but I'm not a thousand percent sure on that. I guess really the thing to do in Coco Cay, regardless if you're two years old or you're you know, 40 years old is you should just enjoy the sea day. I mean, you know, kind of just being out, not the sea day, the beach day, rather being there by the sea in the water, playing in the water, you know, for a two year old, I think he or she, and I don't think you said that will be totally happy sitting in the sand, bring a bucket and, and a shovel, give them a hat. And they will absolutely have a grand old time over there for the seven year old. You know, there's also some, Adventure ocean activities that are involved. So you might want to look into that. Of course, then someone else is watching your kid, which is also nice. Gives you a little bit of break and they can do a little bit there. You have to investigate what that happens to be on that particular cruise, but the, there are some options there for seven year olds. You can start doing some other things like you can take them on excursions with you. Maybe you're going to go do, um, I think jet ski might be a little much for a seven year old, but there's, you know, banana boats and some other things. They're not a whole lot. Look, the honest, the honest truth is for Coco K, you're going to the beach. There are some things you can pay to do. Not, I think Labadee's got more to do in terms of shore excursions, so quote unquote. But I think really the thing to do is just go have fun at the beach. Honestly, find me a seven year old who doesn't want to enjoy just, you know, running in and out of the water, splashing. They'll pass out by like two o'clock. <laughs> it's great for everybody. The, oh, Jason has another question. Also in the Q and A section of the podcast, one of your listeners mentioned behind the scenes tour on the ship. Is this something that's available on all Royal Caribbean ships? I took a tour like this on Carnival Conquest last year and found it very interesting. Thanks for the great work. I believe they are offered subject to availability and subject to demand. Nobody wants it. They're not going to do it. It is rather expensive. I believe it's about $150. They changed it up very recently, especially in light of some of the security concerns that are out there. So you'll have to check with the guest relations. I don't want Freedom of the Seas. It was offered when I was on there. 
And I'm trying to think if they offered it. I think they offered it on Jewel the season as well. Again, it was $150 per person. It's a little bit pricey for a fairly short tour. But it is something that's available to you. I would check on it in your particular sailing. You probably won't be able to know about it until you actually get on your cruise. But if anybody has any feedback, if they've done it and if it's worth it, I would love to hear about your ideas about those behind-the-scenes heard, which give you tours of the galley, sometimes behind the stage, the theater. And some, depending on availability, can also include bridge tours, but that can be kind of hit or miss depending on what's going on on the bridge that particular day. So thank you, Jason. Next, we have an email from Valerie Johnson. Just wanted to let you know that I discovered your podcast and love them. I'm two and a half weeks away from our first back-to-back cruise, and listening while at work is certainly helping time go by. I've just about listened to all of them. We'll be heading out on Jewel of the Seas on March 8th from San Juan, then return to San Juan, spend the night, and get on Adventure of the Seas the next day, March 16th. Wow. We were on the Jewel several years ago for a New England Canada cruise. We really liked the Radiance class. Last year, we did Adventure of the Seas from San Juan and enjoyed the itinerary and ship so much. We're doing it again. This will be our sixth and seventh cruises with Royal and our first time as Platinum members. Our ports for Jewel include Tortula, St. Martin, St. Kitts, Dominica, Barbados, with Dominica and Barbados being new ports for us. Our ports for the adventure route are St. Thomas, St. Kitts, Curacao, and Aruba. Thanks again for helping pass the time. Great itinerary, Valerie. I am super, super jealous. Man, not only are you doing back-to-back cruises, you're doing back-to-back cruises on two different ships. Mind you, you lose out on the advantage of being able to just leave your stuff in your room, but being able to explore two different ships, get two different experiences, that is that is living right there. So, Valerie, I tip my hat to you. You... Ma'am, have achieved a new high and a new goal for me to achieve someday. Be able to do that as well. I think you're going to love it. Some great islands there. The islands that you said were new to you, Dominica and Barbados. I haven't been to Dominica, but I have been to Barbados. I would recommend a tour for the island. I did one that I think I reviewed on RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com, and I'll post a link in the show notes to that for you if you want to check that out. There's a lot to do in Barbados. It's very hot, as I recall. But I think if you do a short little tour of the island, because there is a lot to see in Barbados, and then you end up with a beach break, I think it's a perfect thing to do. In fact, I believe in Barbados, we fed some green monkeys, which is something I've never done before in my life, and I thought that was really cool. So maybe an option for you there. So let us know how it goes, Valerie. I'd love to hear what you thought of back-to-back cruises on two different ships, because that's that that's pretty impressive, i got to say. Next email is from Paul Westbrook. Matt, thanks again for the fantastic podcast. Quick one for you. We just joined Crown and Anchor. What are the perks obvious and not so? That's a great question, Paul, and honestly, this is a whole episode, <laughs> to also be honest with you. The basic benefits of being a Crown and Anchor member are a couple. First of all, being a Crown and Anchor member gives you certain advantages like booking early for certain promotions, like when there's sales every week, Crown and Anchor members get a first shot at it. When there are new itineraries that go on sale, Crown and Anchor members get first shot at it. You get also rewards, obviously. The more you cruise, the more perks you get. At the low levels, like gold and platinum, they're smaller. Like platinum member, gold really doesn't get a whole lot. You get a coupon book and a couple other things, nothing major. You get recognition is really what you get. But when you get to platinum, now you're starting to get now platinum. You get balcony discounts. You get better coupon books. They're not books anymore. They're all digital these days, but you know what I mean. When you get up to really diamond is where you want to get to. When you get to diamond, now you get access to a concierge lounge and some other things. Discounts again. It's not recognition. It's basically Royal Caribbean is going to point you out as someone special, which is nice, certainly. And the other thing is on board your cruises, they have different events. When you get to like platinum and above, you're going to have like an event every night where they have special events where basically you're going for the free alcohol that they give you, which is always nice. It's not, I mean, something special. They're usually watered down drinks, but it's free booze. I'm not going to turn down free booze and they're fun. You get to, you know, hear from the officers, meet different people. It's a great fun thing to do. It's a good waste of an hour in the evening. And, uh, you know, you get benefits like that. 
I think really the primary benefit is, again, you can accrue status, which gives you certain benefits both on board and while you're just booking stuff online before your cruise. So it's worth doing. I think it's definitely worth, there's no reason not to do it. And it's just like, you know, like booking a loyalty program with anything else, like a hotel or airlines. It gives you, you know, the more you use it, the more you get recognition for it, helps you out. So hopefully that answer helped you, Paul. I think it's definitely worth trying out. Now, Paul has one more question. He says, on a recent Blockbuster episode, they're all Blockbusters to me. <laughs> Thanks, Paul. You detailed your dining on Navigator the Seas. Please, if you could detail the different specialty restaurants and especially their additional cost amounts. We're going on Freedom in August, and I have almost my wife convinced that it's worth it. That homemade guac on Navigator looked awesome. Thanks for everything. First of all, you are totally right about the guacamole. It was amazing. And as I'm right now, I'm starting to drift off to my mind about that guacamole. It was so good. It was really, really amazing. Oh, what I wouldn't give for some guacamole. Okay, anyway, back to the podcast. Uh, so the different specialty restaurants and their additional cost amounts. You know, there's some basics. I'll include, first of all, a link in the show notes to an article I did about this. It'll be far more in-depth than I can do right here, Paul, but it'll give you kind of a quick overview on it. Basically, most specialty restaurants have just a basic cover charge, like Chops Grill, Portofino's, Giovanni's Table, where you pay a certain amount of money. It can be cheap, like Giovanni's Table, I think, for lunch was about $15 per person, or it can be kind of expensive. Chops on Navigator the Seas was $35. On Oasis of the Season, Allure of the Season, you have 150 Central Park, and that's actually closer to $50 per person for the fee. You can actually go, if you do the chef's table, it's even more expensive than that. It kind of depends on what you want to do. Johnny Rockets has like a $3.95, $4.95, that's what it is, $4.95 fee for Johnny Rockets. And in most of these cases, you pay the fee. And it's just like the main dining room. You get as much food as you want within reason. I think Chops actually can only order one entree because on Jewel of the Seas, we try to order two and they told us we can't. We could, we could, we would just have to pay extra for it. But appetizers, desserts, uh, sides. In fact, at Giovanni's table, we ordered multiple entrees. So I think maybe that's just me a Chops thing. Now that I'm talking out loud about these answers to you. And there are some other kinds of restaurants that are out there. There used to be the seafood shack has changed on Oasis of the Seas. There used to be a cover charge and then you'd pay Above and beyond that, a la carte. Izumi used to be the same way. They reduced that. Now that's gone. Izumi, which is the sushi restaurant, you're just paying a la carte. It's like a restaurant dining on land. You show up, you order what you want, you pay for that food, basically. But I'll put a link in the show notes to give you a complete rundown on all the changes. I think it's worth it. You don't have to do it every night. I'm not one of those people. Well, I probably would be if I had the money, but I don't. <laughs> so, But I think that it's a cool thing to do, especially one or two nights of the cruise. Why not have a little special time? You and your wife go to Chops. It's a great experience. It's great food. And honestly, even at... $35 for chops. I mean, you're, it's not just a steak you're paying. You're getting the steak, you're getting the appetizers, you're getting the service, you're getting the desserts. It's a lot of food for $35. Definitely, it's a value proposition, I think, for the guests. Just a matter of, you know, what you're interested in. So, thank you, Paul. And now our last email is from Nick Novak. I just wanted to say thank you so much for doing the live blog of your trip. Love following along while I sat at my desk at work with a foot of snow outside. I apologize in advance for this lengthy email. However, I was thinking this could be a topic of discussion for a future podcast. One thing I noticed when reading ship reviews and blogs anywhere online is that there doesn't seem to be a lot of attention placed to onboard activities. Emphasis is always placed on the food, restaurants, and ports of call excursions. I'm not a big foodie personally, so I don't cruise because of the wealth of dining options. I'm probably in the minority, I know. I'm actually interested more in all the activities on board. Of my first Royal Caribbean cruise in April, so I'm very curious about things like ice skating, rock climbing, mini golf, flow rider, zip lining, and soon skydiving, and bumper cars on Quantum of the Seas. The info on these activities seems to be very sparse, almost as if everyone says, yes, they have it. Are their activities not incredibly popular? It seems like, unless it's a restaurant, ship reviews skim over the rest. Yet, Royal Caribbean Marketing Department always seems to display these activities proudly. So, 
My question is, can you talk more about it? Is they just added to fluff to season cruisers? Or as a fairly new cruiser, I look forward to more than just eating and sleeping by the pool. Not that there's anything wrong with those, of course. Nick, it's a great idea. You know what? That's next week's episode. I'm telling you right now, put it down there, preview. Next week's episode, we're going to dedicate this to Nick, and we're going to talk about all about the activities on board, what there is. There is a lot to do to answer your question really quickly, and it's not just fluff. There is a lot to choose from, and certainly you're right. It deserves an episode on its own, so I'm going to answer this in next week's episode as a dedicated episode all about activities to do on a Royal Caribbean ship. Once again, thank you everybody who took the time to email me, tweet me, Facebook me. We had a lot of great messages. We actually solved some more. I didn't have time to get through them all in this one episode, but that's great. I love the feedback. Thank you guys so much. You don't, the reality is, if I can take a second here, look, I don't make money off this podcast or I don't make money off this website. I, it, it's a, it's a, it's a hobby for me. I'm not, I have a day job. This is just something I do for fun. So the, the real, value to me is getting feedback is hearing from all of you that you not only enjoy it but you also are in as enthusiastic if not more enthusiastic than i am about cruising with royal caribbean so hearing from all of you it, it really makes me happy when i open my email every day and i check my emails and i've got you know an email from christopher percy or nick here or paul or anybody else it really makes me happy to see that and it, it could be a tweet facebook message i love getting feedback to me that's better than making twenty dollars from this guy or five bucks from this guy it doesn't matter this is what makes it fun for me. So thank you all so very much, especially during my cruise. There was some great feedback that I was getting from all of you, especially during the fog delay. People saying, don't worry, Matt, it'll be okay. I really appreciate that. You guys have all been so wonderful. And again, we're doing this podcast for you. I want this to be our podcast. It's not my show. It's our show. And again, I consider you all very much my friends as part of all this. And I want you to feel like that as well. So I hope this episode has been kind of a way to put you all out in the center here and kind of be a part of the show so thank you all so much and i think i'll wrap things up for this podcast episode so until next time i'm matt hotchberg we'll talk again soon